0: Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm Mel Stewart, joined by Swim Swam's head of production and the senior reporter on deck at all the swimming meets, Coleman Hodges. And joining us today is three-time Olympian, seven-time Olympic medalist, Aaron Pearsall. Hello. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. sexiest man in swimming uh no
1: <laughs> no that goes to uh let's see who does that go to grievers or adrian or
0: jack roach or yeah, yeah, okay that that was that so i so you've done your research you you you, you, you... We told you what this podcast was going to be like. That was a political
2: announcement.
1: Right. <laughs> this is a green screen, everybody.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. yes. Now, a lot of you
1: know, might not even, yeah, we got to like, yeah, we, you got to know who this
0: is. The great Jack Roach has joined us. Uh, surprise guest. This is totally
3: <laughs>
2: unplanned, by the way.
1: No,
0: <laughs> uh, Honestly, we were on our
1: way back from the home depot about half an hour ago and, and i was like you want to hop on the call <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's plenty of plenty to talk about i'm sure
0: Co- so, coach roach coach roach <laughs> hey guys, is is aaron pierce the coolest man in swimming
2: uh, it's hard to argue that he's not right
0: right but it's right?
2: a very
1: political diplomatic answer thank you jack
2: it's true though.
1: because right? i don't want a definitive yes either <laughs>
2: for me it's it's it, it, i guess so much of that is just preference but like someone who is always uh, very aware of what's going on around them and and living in the present moment which is where special things happen he does such a good job of that
0: he does he does so I have, to, I have to say this I came back to swimming after a long break and when I came back when it first uh, olympic brothers that i talked to was Pearsall, and he was um my knowledge was was lean and i was i was kind of i was kind of swimming green and, yeah and aaron was was very patient and was very kind and i felt like i got my my swimming legs back very quickly because of you
1: oh thank you Mel. well shoot man i mean i yeah we, we remember very well i remember very well when swim Sam kind of first came on but you just when you came back in and and well, I, I think I've told you this now, like I was nine years old when I watched my first Olympics in Barcelona and, and I, and it's, you know, I mean, how it always moves forward in that way. And I'll never forget watching a guy swim butterfly breathing to the side and being like, that's weird. And <laughs> and I always loved it. It's like this iconic thing. You want to stick, you want to get stuck in someone's head immediately, breathe butterfly to your side.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, well, I, I, I got to take this back to Austin, Texas, since I have two Austinites here. Um, yeah. We moved to Austin. Swim Swim is based in Austin. I moved here in 2009 with my family, and I talked to – I think I talked to you, and I talked to, to Jack. And, uh, and basically, it was a resounding, yes, if you're not moving, you're an idiot. You need to do this. But what really stuck in my head was not you, Aaron. It was Jack. Jack said – I got a place in Driftwood, is it Driftwood or Dripping Springs?
2: Dripping Springs.
0: Dripping Springs. And you said running Arose Hills and Dripping Springs with my dogs. He said that, you said that was your happy place. And, uh, but that really stuck with me, the way you talked about Austin, Texas. So the question is, I thought for sure that Aaron would be based in Austin. And that's part of, part of the reason why I lived here and that Jack would eventually be based in Austin but now you guys aren't here why not <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, yeah you, you, there's too much cool going on with you there Mel um
1: I I miss that town a lot yeah, completely I know Jack does yeah, too I, do. I mean I you know and when Jack's talking about like getting out of the trails and running in Austin I I didn't pick that up until I was done with the sport kind of when I think you were kind of getting there and All of a sudden I started kind of opening up a whole other world to me with regards to that. And so anyway, yeah, you guys are in as lovely a place as there is in the entire country, place that I've been.
0: Did you keep your place here?
1: No, I I sold it as soon as I left, which was like 2012. And shoot, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but at the same time, like I, I was, I had lived there for 10 years. I was there for 10 years. And the only thing that drew me out um, away was the ocean. That was it, and that that's it. I, you know, if I if I um, had that nearby, I would have been in heaven. If, I, if that was then I, that's only by the nature of what I where I came from. And uh, we had some hot summers there when I first moved there, or not first moved, but when I was the last few years. And that just about like nailed me into that decision <laughs> to come out so it's hard, yeah. it's, hard
0: pull, it's hard to pull people away from southern california but i would say for the uninitiated you need to know this about aaron aaron is a design he's not just cool he's got this 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 sense of design and taste that is uh, you see with your style you see the way you dress the way you look the way you grow your beard and grow your hair but your house in austin was a really cool place um it was, it was a cool It was a really cool place, tin roof, um, backed up to the creek. Which creek was it? Yeah, uh, Shoal Creek, and it was awesome. I mean,
1: shoot, man, the coolest little place. It was on an acre, and it was, like, near town, you know, and it was this unique little spot. It was – my dogs ran around wild, and (laughs) it was just, just like, yeah, this is a lovely little area, cool little neighborhood. Keep this up. It's good to see you. Guys. We'll bring him back. Wait, wait, wait. The
0: question <laughs> is, Jack. Do you still have your place in Dripping Springs?
1: I,
2: I do not own any property in Austin or areas around. So, so Jack, what
3: you know when you were in Austin, what made it so magical for you?
2: Gosh, you know, I I moved there from South Florida in 90, 1990. and uh, I had never spent any time in Texas and. I don't think that I'm able to articulate the feel that it had. It started with all of the the pride that you saw the people of Austin have in Texas itself. By the the Texas flags were flying everywhere, the state flags, and and then I am a very avid runner, and I I found the Green Belt very early on, and Town Lake. I owned a home in Hyde Park, which was about a mile from UT, and I could ride my bike to work or jog to work. And I guess you you can talk about all of that, but you can't escape how wonderful the people are. It's just the energy you feel from the youth there and from people who've been there a long time and the deep appreciation they have for it and the way they took care of Austin, it just, and you know, just dyed all the tea or dyed all the...
1: Yeah, cult, yeah, culturally speaking, it's rich, 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 rich little place.
2: Yeah. All right, yeah.
0: We're, we're going to dive into the swim nerd stuff, and Jack, if you're listening and you hear us miss something, you just jump in and go, you got that all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is I, I was,
1: he's, our, he's our resident expert.
2: I was going to surprise Coleman on Friday with Aaron walking in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so,
2: so i probably omitted my use for you all at this point
0: yeah yeah. <no>, does <it's... laughs> good, good to thank see you jack Pick um, it off coleman yeah,
1: yeah so, so that, that was hey yeah, you'll hobie.
2: appreciate this guy yeah look
1: at this this is hobie oh wow hobie's 10 months old and all oh, of it oh. too <laughs> hi hobie you want to you want to join us and I think Aaron's oh, gonna
2: steal him when he leaves. is the best dog.
1: Yeah. Best dog. <laughs> so, yeah, guys. Well, there you go. That's that's partly that's part of what I've got going on the last two months. So,
3: <laughs> so let's kind of tie that to 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 the swim nerd thing. So okay. you know, like Mel said, it's like you can't get California people out of California. It's infuriating, to be honest, and. uh, and so what, you know, how did you not, being a Southern Cal guy, how did you not end up at a California school and end up at, at uh, with Eddie in Texas?
1: Uh, good question. Um, I was eager to try something new. So get out of Southern California. So I, I wasn't looking seriously at any school in Southern California. I was looking in Northern California, but... Um, you know there's a there's a thing of of, uh i'll I'll remember this well i was i was actually it was like a coin toss between cal and texas at the time and everybody on the cal team i knew which is like you would think like okay that's like sounds nice and cool and 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 comfortable and i and i remember thinking like And the Texas guys, I really didn't know. Like, I didn't grow up with these guys. I didn't swim against them in any kind of, like, regional meets. They all swim against each other, a lot of them. But so, but they were cool. They were a really cool group of dudes. And and something about it was, like, this feeling of, like, shaking things up tremendously. By, like, just completely shifting over into a new world and um, something about college the essence of it being the point of shaking things up you know I, I feel like yeah I, I mean I love Berkeley <laughs> so but to pull myself out and to kind of do something so different I, I just seemed I, I i didn't think before I was looking that I would end up pulling that um, pulling that card but i uh but that and that's just it like what a what a what an amazing um thing to reflect on because what <clears throat> that that one decision um, basically afforded like a third of my life in a town i didn't really know much like ten years of my life just just because I decided to go to the University of Texas, ten years of my life in austin, so you know that it's pretty awesome to think about and you know, to think that I'm part Texan now is—I <laughs> got to be careful who I tell that to, but—but um, but it's true. So I'm happy about it. I have so many—I mean, shoot, man, yeah—I have so many
0: friends there and people. And shoot, there's a rumor. There's a rumor that you never have to work again for the rest of your life because you're an early investor in the Alamo Draft House.
1: True. Oh well false um (laughs) oh i will have to work you know um that that's funny but um i i i am part owner in an alamo yeah i know pumped like and and i it was like one of those things where i uh that's one of my favorite establishments in the world and um, I don't know for a lot of I guess people who are watching this it's like the first place really that you could grab a meal and watch a movie and um, a good meal and it was there and that's one thing but the, the the eclecticness of it like the place is so weird and uh, loved it um, I wish I'd I, I, seen movies outside of the draft house is kind of not the same after leaving Austin in that sense but yeah, that's funny, Mel. Actually, <laughs> yeah, uh, the one on slaughter, the one on slaughter out in uh, so down south, is actually, um, yeah, I was, so one, you, offer, I was offered to be brought in on it. And I was like, really? That's a, you know. No, that, that did not, like, solidify
0: my retirement for the rest of my life. Well, I just want to get this straight. The one, that, the one that's, like, less than a mile from my house is where yeah I'm So can I get, like, my Aaron Pearsall card? Because I'm literally there <laughs> like four nights a week before the club would shut down. 20, yeah, I could just flash my Aaron Pearsall card. Aaron I need to actually I and that's just it. I, I'm way
1: I'm well overdue for a trip to Austin. I need to I need to kind of get my draft house fixed anyway. I need to come in and do that. But I know, it's like I'm with you, Mel. Just on a on any random day. And I love going to the theater by myself. So just showing up to one of those places and like, you know, what do you do what'd you do in this afternoon? Like not telling you. you know, I'm going through. And um I love that. So anyway, yeah, I'm that's funny. Yeah, I'm I'm due. It's been about a year and a half since I've been there.
0: So we'll just we'll push off and just say uh, Aaron Pearsall, uh, entrepreneur. Still has to work, but is still in a good position. Coleman, do you want to bring us back to NC2A swimming? Do you have some and get uh, yeah. it, and it, so, it was up?
3: So when I was when I was coming up in swimming, you know, the 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 quad the quadruple of, of you, Hanson, Crocker, and any fourth guy you wanted to put on any relay period, on, on, on the end, um, was legendary. And, uh, you know, from, from your perspective, was there one of the times when you, the three of you teamed up with a fourth random dude um, that really stuck out in your mind? Or, you know, were you, were you guys just walking around like, yeah, we're unbeatable. We're, we're the hottest stuff uh, since sliced bread and like, you know, when, when the three of us swim on our relay, it, it's, it's pretty much already finished before it started.
1: Yeah. Uh, interesting question. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> yes. So, um, for, you know, yes, there were, we had freestylers that were really good on our team, but not even guys that were like on our college team, but pro strats like Neil Walker and, um, guys are on a national team some of the best swimmers in the world at the time. Um, but yeah, we, we put him together for college and yeah, I'll give a shout out to like my old college buddy, Chris Kemp and um, you know, him, him closing off our relay in college and, and um, which was fantastic. Um, those were always relays are a blast. And for me, speaking on the, to that, to that end, it, since it was me and, and, and since I, since it, like, I got to swim with Brandon and Ian along with these relays, it was just like, yeah, it was just kind of, we, we were allowed to put our attention on like what the potentiality of that race could be. So it was, it was geared around, um, trying to really extend it out, you know, and that, that started at the time, that how fast we could go. Right. And that extended into, our international meets um with lezac and whoever (laughs) whoever else but but yeah great question um but yeah i I would say chris kemp sticks out and i I, you know i i you know and what's great about me bringing up chris is just because he wasn't on the national team he was a damn good swimmer but um and is so yeah chris
0: there you go yeah, so I, I got a question for you there's something that I, I didn't know but it, it's that when you were recruited to Texas um, you sort of had a plan and your plan was I'm gonna some college for a period of time mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna be focused on uh, 50 meters and my my professional career mm-hmm. uh, that that's that what that's in that's that's correct correct it's, yeah and, and it's so well, it, was, it
1: was a thought that it was at least a possibility and
0: Eddie was like, Eddie was okay with this.
1: Yes. I, I, yeah, Eddie, I, Eddie and I had that conversation beforehand. Um, very explicitly. And, and I just said, you know, listen, at some point, um, an opportunity may come knocking if I continue to do what I'm doing, that will be really hard for me to turn down and may not be that smart for me to turn down. And it would afford me two years to swim through college. And um but the only op- the only time it would come around was during the Olympic year, before after NC2As and before Athens. And uh and so um since I kept, you know, kind of on the steady trajectory, so to speak, I I um I was able to to at least make that decision and, and uh you know, I didn't wanna necessarily leave the college, you know environment in that team and i wasn't because i was still staying with the team to train but but yeah like i had become a professional swimmer my my emphasis after that was international meets (laughs) you know not not 25 yards anymore which for me too was actually okay like i was not a yards guy like i i really what i was getting (laughs) <laughs> at the college level is this team environment and atmosphere, which I found invaluable and and a certain kind of brotherhood and camaraderie, which, which, um, I think you'd be remiss to, to, right? it's like swimmers are so fortunate to be able to get that. I mean, it's hard enough to find it just because it is such an individual sport that college actually provides it, um, in a way that international swimming could probably benefit from really. Right. And, and so, and so you know all the the sense of teamwork team and camaraderie pales in comparison to what college is when you're on the international level and there's a there's a there's a beauty in that you miss um but at the same time I knew I was not a yard swimmer like I it it was helping me with that but um that's not where my career was gonna
0: go you already had a silver medal from your first Olympic Games, and which is when you go to your first Games and you medal, it's a huge deal. You're only 17. What's interesting is you did this. You did your collegiate time. You turned pro, and I don't know when you signed with, with, with Evan Morgenstein at PMG, but that would, I, that period of time with Evan and his stable of athletes, that was a moment in time when swimming really became professionalized and, uh, yeah. and and it, and and you were a part of that. So where yeah. were you in line? Like, who had he signed? How did that begin? Because at a certain point, like, he had the bulk of the stars in, in your uh, in your stable. Well, that's an interesting point, and and it's something that, like, I've at least
1: peripherally been acknowledging with regards to what professional swimming, like, really being pushed by guys like you, Mel, Right, I mean, like you know, your generation kind of like coming up and like making this concerted push and getting pushback, and then um, but making headway, but still like you know it was never lost on us like what you know the kind of effort you guys made, and and then you know it it came around to a degree where I think all of a sudden this like pinnacle happened around two thousand four where. Companies were showing an interest that you would never really shown before. You're seeing some kind of, uh, potential in it. And for good reason. I mean, you had guys like Michael, you know, like, and, and we were a good team. Like we were really kind of consistent, you know, um, we were young, but we were really consistent. You I know, mean, a lot of the guys on our national team stuck around for a while. So, but it was new all of a sudden, um, money was being put in like it hadn't been before uh so part of it for me was timing and then and then uh in with evan well i i don't know i i had the potential of winning a few gold medals at the Olympic Games that summer so um so by that nature but i wasn't the only one i was in a good position to kind of at least set myself up for something good and and um and a few few people were and our team did so well that summer (laughs) that that uh it it set the stage and i and i you know i i wondered if swimming has maintained that too to that degree right and 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 and, you know and i've I've even wondered like you know shoot you know like i you know i want to because i don't believe it has and i and i and i Cause you want that kind of continuous forward momentum and interest and intrigue. And, and it, it's born from a culture and uh, a sense of like stability within it. And those companies have to feel like they're going to get a return. And that's just the business side of it, I guess. So, but that being said, I was always curious and, and was never really sure how to go about asking this. Like, whether um like what what the what the metrics are or would be for like say how much one of us would get paid were we selling that many suits like i was actually like wondering whether that if that's like the actual metric
0: sounds like it sounds like an investor in the alamo draft house <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it but it but but it you know it, but it makes me think about today's state of where swimming is professionally and and why and why I would like to see it, you know, um, not necessarily take a step back, but keep moving forward in that sense. And and uh, and guys like Evan are not around anymore. I mean, there are people like Evan, yes, around. There are ed- agents and that kind of thing. But the 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 it's shifted. Like things have shifted. The the money that Nike was bringing in, I know, isn't. Really and um but there is that kind of thing around that being said what that brings is innovation this is why i bring it up and it allows people like it that was a very innovative decade like things were coming into the sport that were contentious and people not necessarily everybody was very happy with where it was going but like companies were throwing they were just throwing smart people at it you know, and people who wanted to try new weird stuff. We had goggles with no straps and suits without strings and stuff like that, you know, stuff that had never come around before. And it's like small, weird stuff, but it's cool. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, (coughs) yeah, I, I would like to see that, that kind of thing. And it allows for more people, um, well, make a representative share for the work they're putting in. I mean, it's just that age-old thing that I that I grew up hearing from your generation, Mel, and and that you know
0: we try to pass along too. So to add some context to this, this was a this was a a, a very rapid growth period. Uh, I feel like we're getting right into the the meat of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a rapid it was growth. It was no, this yeah. is a really rapid growth period, and this and and really, Evan Morgenstein was an innovator in that time. He had you, he had Brandon yeah. Hansen, he had he had Lee Zach, he had Rowdy Gaines, he had Janet Evans. Um, right. That's just off the top of my head, and but I think as a, as a, as when the athletes stood together uh, in one agency with one person pushing hard behind them. I think that, that the, the totality of that was a lot of power. And you could say, hey, this is my value. Pay me for my value. I, I mean, I know this from conversations with, with Evan. He also yeah, yeah. Have Torres. So here's the thing yeah. we're moving into a situation that's like that currently with the International Swimming League and with the alliance, the union being headed up by Mapiandi. Um, yeah. But it's a, so they've moved into the market and they've disrupted a little bit. You're actually on the FINA athlete committee. Um, mm-hmm. I know that it's you're a voice there. You're just a voice of, of reason and representation. But I would like to just, I would like to know your thoughts on the current market right now okay. with ISL entered, you know, in the FINA ISL world. Sure. Well, you and I
1: mean, I'll, I'll, let me like just touch on something you just mentioned because I think there is an unsung kind of presence within. <clears throat> uh, what swimming had, and it was Evan, right? Like there's a gentleman that like was behind the scenes of a lot of this that kind of pushed forward what the potentiality for swimming or for the, for the professional aspect of what swimming is and could be, it was kind of in some regards, a lot of his brainchild, like he willed it, right? Just like, you know, one man and, and, um, great people around him and, uh, but um, I think it's worth noting. I've, I've put his name towards the, the being inducted into the International Swimming Hall Fame before. And I, I actually think it's appropriate, but, um, um, so yeah, that's, that's like actually something worth acknowledging that it takes, it, that it could take a presence, right? Like you need, you need and it takes a, a rallying group around, um, around something strong, a strong message. And Evan had that. Evan looked out for his athletes in a really important way. He educated us, um, and so uh, that's it needs to continue. And and I and so yes, I'm I'm involved. I'm an athlete representative on the Fina uh, on Fina Athletes Committee. So I represent the U.S. and the athletes in general. And with the professional um, side of it, the ISL is, is it's good. Like you need to shake it up. You need like FINA has always needed to be, um, have their feet held to the fire for the last 40 years or more. And, 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 you know, I've been seeing a bit of an acknowledgement that like they can't fight the rising tide, you know, they understand that, um, it's not just the U.S. per se anymore that is actually collected, collectively rising. Right, this is becoming more global phenomenon. And the ISL, you know, speaking about the power and presence, but it's just you know, and just the presence of that um, is it's it becomes real by the nature of of the backing behind it, just the sheer like volume of of what they can do and put out and 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 make it valid and, and, if, and if they can make it interesting and intriguing. And I feel like that's always been the big thing with swimming is how do you make it intriguing and interesting enough to like, you know, that the talk, as long as I've known it, has been how do you make swimming big outside of the Olympic spectrum? Like it's, hey, we're, we're, we do great the Olympic year. You know, we don't ever have to worry about that. It's, it's how, it's always the narrative, at least within that realm of it, it has always been how do you take it outside and, and, and grow it beyond that. And, and so the ISL is an attempt at that. And it's, uh, I think it's important to, you, 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 you get behind it and, you get, and, and the, the athletes have power when they have a collective voice and when they um, are educated and are actually motivated enough to to want to understand and learn this stuff. That's the other thing about a lot of us that when we're athletes, we just wanna put our head down and, and swim and that's why we're there and and um, it's important, but um, it's also, it becomes, an, it, it is a maturity in it by growing a certain kind of awareness of, of how, uh, you have your presence within this environment and, and just what it means to take ownership of it, literally and figuratively, and not to be having somebody just telling you what to do, but to actually be the one to say, like, this is where I want to see it go. And we're all allowed to do that, every single one of us. And um, so that's where I'd like to see the sport continue to go, always. And it's the professional aspect of the sport, and I think it leads to good things. So I think the ISL is well, it's as strong as a push as we've ever seen. So,
0: well, we get, we're we down to six minutes, and I just we, we people are going to hate us if we don't talk a little bit of swimming. So, Coleman, <laughs> you, you want to <laughs> and turn it up a little bit?
1: <laughs> sure, yeah, what's up? Yes. So, oh, yeah, uh, so we talked
3: about how. The, the last decade, the 2000s was so innovative and obviously the, the first thing, you mentioned goggles without straps and suits without strings, but the first thing that comes to my mind is, is the suits, right? 2008 and 2009. Sure. So what, how do you feel about suits? Because I know like Mel, for example, loves them. He thinks we need to bring them back. And, yeah. uh, and so I, what were your thoughts when they first came out and, and maybe when they, when they went away, what were you thinking?
1: Great question they weren't, okay, let me try to sum it up. They weren't a problem. I'll say when for like the eight or nine or 10 years before that, like when they came around, like in 2000, it was like this beautiful, innovative thing. And for the longest time suits were people abided by those like rules. Like you don't make them buoyant. And um, what is the other one? Like whatever the buoyancy is like, that's like That's the, you know, you you don't, you don't, it's like a performance enhancing thing. You don't do that. We always knew that. Um, And so there were suits that came around at the end of the decade, less about the suits, more about the regulation. They weren't, they shouldn't have been allowed in. They were great for open water swimming, like let them, or whatever, maybe something else. like I mean that in the sense of, I think that's what some of these suits were for. And, uh, and FINA allowed them in Um, a bit of the. Um, uh, FINA being ill-prepared to be able to take to be able to fully understand the technology. They did not have the infrastructure in place to be able to like make a correct decision. And then when people were when swimmers actually put them on and started swimming and that they knew what was happening, FINA didn't know how to proceed. And there was no leadership. And um, so the easy answer is like you cross the line with these suits. You don't make a suit buoyant doesn't mean you need to take it back 25 years. And, and, and because by the, by the nature of you doing that, you're also telling these companies that have put so much money and time and interest into this sport, but in, in a natural way because they've been allowed to the last 10 years, they leave, they leave and they left. And, and the sport really hasn't recovered since then because of that. I, and, I, and I actually do believe that. I, I, I believe it's actually an indirect effect of the suits leaving. And, um, and so suits aren't bad. Um, the innovation is good. The regulation of those things in our, in our values and in our, in our ethics is very important. And there's a balance. I think there will always be a balance between technology and progression and what we're willing to accept. I mean, now we're allowed to wedge in backstroke, you know, and now we're allowed to not, you know, soon we'll be flip turning and breaststroke. I don't know. It's like, you know, but it's, it's, it's what we can accept collectively. And, um, and I believe the suits, uh, yeah, I believe that was a reactionary decision from people who really don't understand um, the nature of the day, they, they, we were all standing back just going like, you guys are, you guys really don't know the nature of the sport by the n, by that actually, and, and to that extent, those suits were really freaking
0: illegal. <laughs> we are down to two minutes, but I would just have to ask you, is, was there, yeah. there so many swims, so many moments, so many moments of yeah. time? Uh, do you have one that is just it? Um, I have a few, unfortunately. I've always you- said,
1: see if you can have. Um, I'll say I, the, the, the world record that I hold now, I'm very proud of in the 200 backstroke. And, um, and my first world record when I was 18 years old, I'll never forget. It was just like, you know, my my coach never cussed, and he cussed when I got out of the water because he was so happy, and I was so happy. And it was just – it actually felt good. That's what I mean. I finished, and I was like, I can keep going forever.
0: We're going to have to bring you back on and talk nothing but swimming. Thanks for joining us, Aaron Pearsall, and pulling up the behind Coleman Hodges. And Jack, Roche. and Jack Roach. And <laughs> Jack Roach. You're listening to the Swim Swam podcast.